Larry, before we get into today's episode, I have a little uh, housekeeping that I got to do. Yeah. Uh, correction. correction. A correction that needs to get made because you keep gaslighting me, giving me wrong information. Well, uh, not really. Turns out I. Uh, no, I don't, don't me. Uh, what Everything uh, I said was correct. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Yes, it, it turns was. out EGM EGM did have demo discs. That's right, and uh, it was only apparently at retail. Not if you subscribe yeah. to it, which I did, and I said I subscribed to EGM, and I never got a disc. <laughs> That's what I said. So yeah, but you then it. you then looked you looked up information about EGM demo disc, and you were just like, I don't know, I'm not pulling anything up. I was. I did a similar Google search, and I pulled up plenty of information about EGM demo discs Look, I as used well Bing. as. Photographic evidence. I use oh, Bing, well, that's so why that, That's no. probably why. Look, I need those Microsoft rewards points. Uh, usually, it works out fine. Uh, no, I the, the first thing I found was a uh, a forum thread on a site called digitpress.com dating back to uh, September two thousand four of people going like yeah i saw this like weird skit of someone dressed up like luigi with a vacuum at a funeral <laughs> yeah on this demo disc what 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 magazine does this and people going like i think it's egm uh, so that's neat just like going back and even just seeing people extremely confused about early mega 64 yeah they used to uh, be funny yeah once upon a time yeah a guy dressed up like the Resident Evil 4 merchant. It was good stuff. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, as I'm reading here, anyway, uh, on the one video was a skit for Ghosts and Goblins. A fat Arthur runs around fighting some goblins. Really funny and stupid. Uh, would yeah. anyone be able to rip this as a computer file for me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just ask the people <laughs> on these forums. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I, I just wanted to correct the the record, set it straight, because uh, sure. I we we both ended that episode uh, pretty firm on our stands that the EGM demo discs never existed. When it of course, happened. also as a result of recording multiple episodes back to back, that means on subsequent ones we were also like, oh yeah, EGM didn't have discs, whatever. <laughs> now we know, though. We. We don't record things like normal people do, so sure. No. Well, also, I have a habit of just like saying incorrect things as a joke, which then might come across like I. It's partly baiting people to try to send in corrections, so then I can be like, "No, I actually knew." Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Well, also, like I said, part of your ongoing efforts to gaslight me because I am extremely gullible. Yeah. Like when I said Malcolm Young instead of Angus Young, except the thing is that doesn't work as a joke because you don't know the difference anyway. <laughs> no. Why would I? Yeah. Uh, but Larry, I have some bad news. What? Uh, so I don't want to alarm you or upset the audience or anything, uh, but since we started Spooktober, I think I've been turning into a zombie. Uh, okay. It started with my skin being kind of itchy. Uh, it's been going a little bit green. Uh, you know, I tried to see the doctor. Uh, but you know how it is. You plan on going, and the next thing you know, you're in a room full of half-chewed legs. You know, it gets out of hand pretty quick. Yeah, well, it's important to keep a diary of your symptoms, too, as it progresses. Yeah, no, I, I have. Um, probably just going to leave it out 
here just in case, you know, worst comes to worst, someone can find it. But, you know, it's it's fine. I, I accept this, uh, and I've made a very important decision. Uh, I'm going up to a mansion in the Pacific Northwest uh, in Raccoon City. <laughs> okay. In uh, Raccoon City? In or Raccoon City. Uh, sometimes it's outside, sometimes it's inside. Oh. Just depends. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go out there, uh, be with my own people. Uh, I mean, so today I, I, I want to talk a little bit about my affliction. Uh, and the place where I've decided to live out uh, the, ret- the rest of my wretched non-living uh, and discuss the PlayStation 1 Resident Evil trilogy. Well, hold on. Did you did you check out the property before you committed to this? No, why would I? I mean, they, they gave me a brochure. I, I think I know the place you're talking about. The thing is, you know, I looked into it once, and it's just like... I don't know what the people who lived there previously were doing, but, like, there was a bunch of... Okay, most houses just have, like, a standard lock on all the doors, right? This place had, like, you need the club key to get into this door and a diamond key to get into another one, and it seems like a hassle. I would imagine that the club key is to get into, like, the club room, but the the diamond key, that's, that's just stupid. Sure, I mean, it had a heart key, and it's... It seemed like a bad idea. I don't know. They said they got like a rehabilitation program where you could pet a bunch of dogs, and that seemed really nice. Oh yeah, okay. Well, yeah, they they got a whole program where you learn how to take care of plants. You make your like your own plant feeding formulas and stuff. And that seems nice. They got a shark tank. I don't know. I don't know why, that, but they have a shark tank. Uh, that I don't know about that one. Hmm. Well, either way, I wish you the best of luck. Thank you. That's uh, it's nice knowing you. Yeah. Finally free. I don't have to do this anymore. The Resident Evil trilogy, Larry Davis. Uh, one of my my favorite 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 video game trilogies. Uh, it's it sure is good they didn't ruin it by making any more games. They kept it well, just the three. Well, if they did, then they would eventually bring it back around, at least. Yeah, yeah, you know, they might do something like a really good remake at some point of the first one, and then, like, just sort of let it all travel downhill from there, and then maybe eh, 10, 12 years later, do another good one? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But they didn't, so we're just going to talk about the three Resident Evil games that they actually put out. Okay. Uh, just go in chronological order. Um, so, <laughs> first off, the... three. Yes, <laughs> number one, three. Nemesis, where it all began. Uh, no, the, the first time I played Resident Evil, uh, I, I kind of got into this. I, I think in the last episode that I saw, like, you know, again, reading a lot of video game magazines, a lot of my exposure to some of these games that I haven't played was just seeing articles and pictures and, and news about them. Uh, Resident Evil was kind of the same way because I didn't have a PlayStation 1 when I was growing up. Uh, it was... I had a Nintendo 64. Uh, that was the choice that I made. I could ask my mom for anything for Christmas and I went with the Nintendo console and not the PlayStation. Uh, and so I have to live with it by having not experienced a lot of these games. Yeah. Um, but on the bright side, I was always... the better version of Resident Evil 2. Well, I didn't play that because uh, my mom would not let me have it because it was too violent. Well, cool. So... Yeah. Instead, I played uh, Donkey Kong 64. 
My Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Took out a mortgage on the home to buy me that. Really? True story, yes. Oh, uh, no. Just to buy me Donkey Kong 64 on a jungle green Nintendo. Um, yeah, so like I was. Heard. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, I thank her every time I talk to her on the phone, which is like once a year. I'm a very good son. Um, <laughs> uh, so I've always been aware of Resident Evil to some degree, but it wasn't until the uh, GameCube came out that I actually got my hands on one of them. Uh, I th- I'm pretty sure I told that story of how I got the GameCube and everything in the Luigi's Mansion episode. So that is uh, the first Resident Evil I played. I love the shit out of that game. Um, I am one of the the weird, sick asses out there who actually digs tank controls. Yeah, I'm not with I, you on that. I like it. Uh, I, I I think that like you really couldn't do these games without tank controls, though. Well, the perfect uh... perspective and the whole tanky nature of it really plays into the the less control you have the worst combat feels the more limited the items the scarier the game i agree with you to a degree also though resident evil 2 remake yeah so like you can do it without that it's just that at the time you couldn't really yeah you well you definitely couldn't get that kind of detail out of the environments if you went with like a a, a non-fixed perspective kind of thing. Yeah, if you went yeah. with 3D control. Because then the, the, envir- the environments would have to be 3D as well. Yeah. And yeah. Like so actually the like the development history of Resident Evil 1 is that was initially the idea was to go with full 3D. Like at first it was a first person game. Oh like Survivor. That game's great. Uh... Yeah, I'm trying to like dead aim. So the, the the way the way that the development of this went is it's pretty well known at this point that they wanted to just remake Sweet Home. Yeah. Uh and the inspiration for the first person aspect of Resident Evil was the fact that when you went into the RPG battles in Sweet Home, it was from a first person perspective of you looking at what is attacked. And so that informed the way they were going to kind of structure that game from a perspective standpoint. Okay. Um, and so, I, like, the, the shift to the fixed perspective uh, came about because Mikami saw Alone in the Dark. <laughs> so, like, he was, like, initially hesitant to just ape from that game, but then he kind of came around because he realized that they would be able to get better graphical fidelity. Yeah, I was just about to mention that, like, yeah, Alone in the Dark came before this, and it's basically what Resident Evil would be. Uh, just, like, refined, obviously. Um, yeah. My experience with Resident Evil 1 is, when I was a child, I was looking for a game to rent for my PlayStation, and I was fascinated by the tall box with a guy that kind of looked like Bruce Campbell and a giant spider behind him. Oh, sure. And so I got that. And I brought it home, I played about... I got to the part where you fight the first zombie in the hall, and it turns around and I stopped playing it, and I did not play anymore. Were you just too scared? Or yes. was it just... Okay. I was How like old six, were you? Six, seven, <laughs> something. Fuck. 
We will let you rip this. Well, before this, were there any games that were scary? Donkey Kong 64. <laughs> that was after. No, that came out after. <laughs> that was way after. But yeah, that like that's just it. Like there had been like it was spooky themed games like Castlevania or something that I'd play. They were like, whatever, yeah. that's fine. Uh, but then yeah, like, no, I'm trying to think of, like genuinely scary games that came out on like the SNES or the NES that actually like released in America. Yeah, there weren't any. Like it, Clock Tower is probably the closest thing I would think of, and that didn't come out here. So yeah. Uh, uh did Waterhouse had a US release, didn't it? Yes, but remember, I didn't have a Genesis. Mm. Also, that wasn't scary. I mean, like graphically, the the monster designs in Splatterhouse, I would say, is scarier than a lot of stuff that was coming out around that time. But yeah, yes, so. like the, the way that that game, it's just a beat 'em up, so it's really not scary. Yeah, but anyway, t- later on, I did play Resident Evil Two on the Nintendo sixty four. Had a good time mm. with it. Yeah. At that point I was old enough to like get a couple spooks in there and still enjoy it. And then oh. I, I don't think I ever went back to play Resident Evil 1 until the GameCube remake came out. Yeah, so I, like I said, my first experience was the GameCube remake. So with 1, I've actually just played it for the first time this last year. Uh, and it was it was kind of interesting going back, like backwards um, from the remake to this because... I'd actually played like the the remake, the PC version of it, not too long before going back and playing the original, just so I could get a better sense of like what was different between the two games. And it was kind of neat to just see that, like, see what was removed that that doesn't appear from the remake over in the original, and the way that they kind of uh, lay out puzzle progression and stuff like that differently. Mm-hmm. So. It's kind of like playing like a remixed version of it in a way, just in reversed, because I know that's what the remake is supposed to be. Um, but yeah, so like it, it was this, uh, it was familiar but strange at the same time. So like I was able to get through the game without having to use a guide because I still had a general sense of where I'm supposed to go and what I'm supposed to do, but still fresh enough that it's like, oh, okay, this thing that I would go here for normally, it's not here, so I need to start poking around. Yeah, and. Uh, by the way, that experience with Resident Evil 1 is also very similar to my experience with Silent Hill 2, which obviously was much later, uh, but very similarly, I started it up, I rented it, uh, I got to the part where the first thing, like, skitters from out from under a van or something, it was like, nope, that's it, <laughs> and returned it. I it, we will talk about Silent Hill uh, like down the line because I think that's something that we might discuss like during next October's uh, Spooky Games Month. But I actually just started oh, no. playing that right now just to talk about it a little teeny tiny bit. And the opening to that game is so fucking good. Silent like, Hill one. Yes. Okay. So I for for the system that it is on. It it does the most with its atmosphere out of any other like PlayStation One game I think I've ever played in those oh, yeah. like first five minutes. Um, like I've obviously I played through all three of the Resident Evils on that system. I think that they are really great games, but none of them are particularly particularly scary to me. They might have been back at that point in time because I was young and this is like this is three D for the first time ever, like accessible yeah. to me. Like yeah, yeah. the other consoles weren't doing three D. 
Yeah, um, like, um, none of the Resident Evil games are scary to me, but also, they are basically... I don't want to call them action games, because they're not really, but they are like an action movie in a game form. Like, you sort of walk around yeah. and a zombie might pop up at some point, but mostly you're firing rockets at giant snakes or whatever. Yeah, grenade launchers into snakes' mouths. and Yeah. yeah. But uh, uh, Silent Hill, though, for one thing, like you mentioned, it was, like, all of them really are technical powerhouses, like, Two and three look oh, yeah. insanely good for PS2 games, and the first one also looks really good for PS1, uh, and that does a lot to help. And the soundtracks are also good. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Ag Ayanuma is that? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Just so, a lot of metal scraping and grinding and like oh, howling yeah, it's just of like, the wind. And we, radio we just on. recorded a dentist drill at full speed for this boss fight. <laughs> yeah. It's, it almost reminds me at certain points of like the Terminator soundtrack where they had like put a recorder inside of a piano or something like that. Sure. About but, that but, but yeah, yeah. Um, specifically, I've mentioned before, but I really, really like Shattered Memories the most, and that one has a great soundtrack in particular. Yeah. Well, where I was going with that though too is as a kid, I think I would have been frightened by Resident Evil partly because just not really being exposed to horror games at all at that period of time, but also the fact that 3D was new, so games were not really kind of playing with that kind of a perspective yet. Mm -hmm. Outside of Alone in the Dark, which I had no concept of at that point in time. Akira Yamaoka is who I was thinking of. Who's Akira Ayuma? I don't know. I don't know. Sounds familiar, though. Yeah. Um... Yeah, no, with with Silent Hill, though, I went and I started playing that last night and just that opening bit where like you're going you're going down the alleyway with the beware of dog sign and you just see this exploded dog corpse as the first thing you're like, okay, it's a low poly like texture of some blood and some guts. And then like the camera just starts doing some weird like um, eternal darkness shit of just tilting in a really odd and uncomfortable way as you're like going down these narrow corridors. And then all the lights go out and the scraping music start, starts up and like the camera is still going bonkers and you're just trying to like make your way down this like mesh of chain link fences. And, uh, oh, it's so good. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Also, considering... Resident Evil, I don't know, that zombie ate that dude and a head <laughs> fell off, whatever. <laughs> uh, also, considering your attitude towards babies, Silent Hill, very, very good <sighs> for that. Yeah, no, I got to the uh, the elementary school and I went out in the courtyard and those little two baby things ran up to me and I turned the fuck around and went back inside where it was safe and shut it off for the night. See? Those babies had knives! What was yeah. they supposed to do? Uh, I don't know, you hit them with a <laughs> pipe a few times. Just start screaming and dumping the gun into them? Mm. Uh, anyway, though, with, with Resident Evil, um, yeah, they, like you said, it, it's kind of an action movie uh, in the guise of a horror game because you're just running around with like a grenade launcher, just blowing up snakes and stuff. But also, like, kind of the way that they were uh, trying to frame the plot of the game originally leaned harder into that too. Because uh, I had written down here uh, that in pre production, other characters were conceived. Dewey, an African American man, was intended to perform a, as a 
comic relief. Oh no! Uh, and Gelzer, yeah, knowing know. Japan, that would have turned out great. Oh sure. Uh, and Gelzer, a big cyborg, was the typical strongman <laughs> character. No, not I want to see. <laughs> There's concept art of Gelzer, so yes, you can see it. Okay, good. Uh, but yeah. they were replaced by Rebecca and Barry in the yeah. final game. They're fine. Uh, the worst part about the remake is that it doesn't have all that really good FMV. Yeah. Um, so about the FMV, I learned some stuff about that too that I did not previously know. Uh, obviously, the FMV, the actors were just people that were in Japan and who spoke English. Yeah, obviously. Clearly. Yeah. Did you know they actually filmed that scene with Japanese actors as well? Yes. Okay, I did not know that. And then they did not use that footage at all and just stuck with the English one. And then, like, later on, Mikami was just like, I had no idea that goofball shit did not fly in America. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think he apologized going, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't fucking speak English, like, in the 90s. I didn't know that was that fucking bad. Poor Mikami. <laughs> Uh, he just got done making Goof Troop, and then he walks into this. Oh sure, now the I still like the whole story of them choosing him too because he was like afraid of a lot of stuff. Like their theory at the time was, well, if you got somebody who's not afraid of anything or a game, it would be scary because they don't know what what's scary. I uh, guess so. But Mikami also, I don't think, necessarily knows what's scary, because I don't think anything in any of the Resident Evil games has particularly struck me as scary. The only time that I ever jumped at anything in a Resident Evil game was uh, that bit dog in Dog through one, the window. Where, yeah, the dog through the window. Uh, that got me back in the day, and then nothing Looker through since the window. The liquor didn't even get me. I, I think me partly... The, well, the thing about the liquor, too, was at that point I knew to expect the liquor. You never like I, I had seen. Uh, oh, I so had you, seen that by that. Okay, well then, yeah, no wonder. Yeah. yeah, when I played the game again, it also did not get me. Wow, great <laughs> way to brag about it. Jeez. Uh, I think they, I think they fuck with you though, in like the remake of two, don't they? Where like they don't actually have him jump out of like the interrogation window on the correct side i want to say i don't remember i might be i might be wrong about that i know that one of them jumps through the interrogation window and i think in the remake because there's two sides of the interrogation room i think they flip it so he jumps through the other one maybe but i might be i might be wrong about that i thought if i am wrong about that that's what they should have done i thought but... when you get there like the window's already broken uh, for one character, it is. Okay, that's probably why. Yeah. Because uh, I don't think I ever finished the second playthrough. So, yeah, I'm not the person yeah. to ask. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I really uh, I enjoyed the first Resident Evil for what it is when I went back and played it. Um, obviously, it's not, you know, supplanting the remake as my preferred way of enjoying that game. Uh, it still definitely, like, shows its age. Not just in the FMV stuff or the hilariously terrible dub. Uh, but even as like soon as Resident Evil 2, they were doing stuff to improve upon the way that game just feels in general. 
Uh, there's also like a million fucking versions of Resident Evil 1 outside of the remake too, so I had to like make sure I played the best one that I could get my hands on, so I went with like the director's cut. Yep. Because uh, I remember that like originally they made the game way harder in America because they were trying to make it so you couldn't beat the game on a weekend rental. Huh. Like they, I'm trying to remember exactly what they did. Um, they, okay, they they reduced ink ribbons, auto aim was shut off, and then initially they wanted to remove item boxes being linked. <laughs> Great. Uh, they they went back on the interconnected nature of the item boxes, though, for the retail release, although it was in preview copies. Uh, but there is a mode... Um, I want to say it's in the director's cut as well. I know that it's in the remake, but there's a mode called True Survival where they actually take away the interconnected nature. Well, there was... Okay, there was the regular game, and then there was director's cut, and then there was... Like a dual shock version, right? Yeah. Yes, there was. And then I think there was a dual shock director's cut. If not with this one, it's with one of them. Isn't that? I thought that was the same thing. And you... mm. I thought the dual shock one like, is the director's cut, except now you can use an analog controller. I want to say that the way that stuff came out was the regular one, the dual shock, then the director's cut, then a director's cut. I'm going dual to shock. I'm not sure. This should have been in your notes. But but I did make it in my notes. Can you guess what the other version of this game is outside of those? The remake. What are you talking no, about? No, 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 no. So the other one contemporary with the original. What, the Game Boy one? No, although that is a good one to bring up. Uh, All right, there the was. Sega Saturn. Had a version of Resident Evil. Oh, okay. Uh, there yeah. was Director's Cut and then Director's Cut Dual Shock Ver, co-produced by KJ Inafune. Oh, thank you, Inafune. Yeah, thanks. Before you, uh, where you did Mighty Number no. Nine. I'm afraid you went off the deep end. Yeah. Ruined Capcom. Yeah, no, there was a Sega Saturn version of this game, which I've actually. Uh, kind of wanted to get my hands on it just sort of get a sense of what the differences are but unfortunately Sega Saturn emulation is bad so if I bought that I don't know if it would actually uh, play well in emulation well I can tell you what the differences are do you want to find out uh, I know that it adds like a battle mode but I mean more like if it two, changes anything as far as like graphically or two exclusive enemies a zombie <gasps> version of Wesker and a gold tyrant <gasps> Ooh, yeah I shouldn't buy that then. It says the game's backgrounds were touched up to include more detail. Uh, okay. The Japanese That's version. That's the stuff I. Yeah. <laughs> the Japanese version is the most gore laden of all the platforms. After decapitating <laughs> a crawling zombie with a kick, the head remains on the floor. Ooh. And Plant 42 can cut the character before the game over screen. Yeah, it, like it, the it, thing it I wanted to. It also features exclusive enemy monsters like a reskinned breed of hunters known as ticks and a second tyrant prior to the game's final battle. Uh, exclusive hmm. outfits for Jill and Chris also. So it, it sounds like it adds a decent amount of stuff for. Yeah, I guess. For the, for the poor, unfortunate souls who had a Sega Saturn and then did not have anything else. Yeah. At least they got, they got something out of that board. Oh, here's an entry um, for the. Cancelled Game Boy version. Yeah. 
No, I kind of what I wanted to check out with the Saturn version specifically, though, was the graphical stuff, because I know the way that Saturn, the Sega Saturn rendered things was totally different than the way that anybody else was. So, Yeah. I'm trying to remember it used, like, triangles or something like that? Like, everything was triangular on the Saturn? I don't know. I, don't I looked this up, like, a while ago, that there is a big difference in the way that, like, the PlayStation 1... Uh, builds out their polygons in the way that the Saturn does. I just remember it specifically had issues with transparency because that affected uh, Symphony of the Night. <laughs> so I watched a very long video on how transparency on the Sega Saturn works. Uh, I did not retain any of it because by the time I got to the end of that video, I realized who the fuck cares? Nobody's playing the <laughs> Sega Saturn. Nobody played the Sega Saturn, and none of this matters. That's kind of uh, but this is on a channel that I've yeah. wanted to bring up for a while, though, yeah. called Sega Lord X, who you can very, you can tell that this dude just had the misfortune of constantly getting Sega systems as a kid, so now he has to defend them. Sounds familiar. Yeah, that's how I might <laughs> be able to, like, I don't know, spot my own kind, Larry. Yeah. <laughs> Pick him yeah. out of a crowd. Ah, you're George Brendel. Just tell by the Davis. way they're fucking dressed. Yeah, I'm George Brundle, by the way. I own mostly Sega systems, and that's why it turned out the way that I did. Is that the latest introduction at 29 minutes <laughs> and 20 seconds? Oh, whatever. Everyone likes a late title card. Yeah. Uh, no, there's there's a really great video of his where he just talks about the 3DO and how actually the 3DO was good, and it's just what? very, very clear that this sucker bought a 3DO back in the day was one of the like the 12 people who did and now had to convince everyone that actually his like $600 purchase was a good idea. Check out this hidden gem, Mega Race. Oh man. There there's a uh, what was the game where like you keep hitting the walls and the lady says where did you learn? She says why he, where did you learn where did where did you learn to fly? It's like a oh. it's a flight game. It was one of the original ones that was released for the 3DO, yeah, and it just what? played that voice clip over and over again. I don't remember. But you, did, you know what I'm talking. About. Yeah, did he defend plumbers don't wear ties? No, but he defended the the flying thing for like a solid five minutes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I could just look up list of 3DO games <laughs> because there are you probably could. like twenty. There's of like them. eighteen of them. Yeah. A uh, list of 3DO interactive multiplayer games. Oh, oh could 3DO. you imagine how sad that would be? Just like a room full of people playing multiplayer games on the 3DO. Like, uh, I forgot the 3DO console. Game. It, like, it was actually called the interactive multiplayer. So that's why it was. I thought, like, why would you have a separate Wikipedia article just for multiplayer games? I also forgot that it wasn't just called the 3DO. There's more of these than I thought. Crash and Burn? That sounds... No, I think that, that's, a, that's a racing a... game. Uh, you have any idea what it might have been? Oh, Dennis Miller, that's news to me. It's an edutainment title. That was, that was it. Dennis Miller was the voice. It's just <laughs> a little FMV. Cha-cha. <laughs> little fmv of him popping up in the in the cockpit who taught you to fly osama bin laden <laughs> oh was it escape from monster manor 
No. It, it was one of the first games. Well, that doesn't help like, me, because these aren't in chronological order. Well, fuck. I don't know. Who cares? It's the 3DO. It's... No one played... Less people played the 3DO than they played the Sega Saturn, and that tells you everything you need to know about the 3DO. Is it Flying Nightmares? Sure. Let's just talk about Resident Evil 2 now. I want to move on from this. Uh, okay. So, uh, there's there's probably Scramble not much need to get into Cobra. It. Yes. Shockwave. Sure. Shockwave 2, Beyond the Gate. VR Stalker. Carrier, Fortress at Sea. I think it was probably uh, Cyber Cybermorph was the game. Cybermorph? Yes. You know how I found it was I just typed in where did you learn to fly into Google <laughs> and it was the first thing that popped up. So <laughs> evidently you can't you find out list. that EGM discs existed and you couldn't figure out the name of Cybermorph. That's not like, on this list. This happened, but I got better at Googling things than you. I control... Stop using Bing. I'm I'm on a Wikipedia. Stop it. List. I control. Uh, actually, I think it. I think it might have been. It was the Atari Jaguar. Is the reason why you couldn't find it. I was oh. mistaken thinking about on okay. the 3DO. It, you know what? I'm not gonna have. I'm. I shouldn't have to defend myself on this, but I can't goddamn tell the difference between the Jaguar and the 3DO because they both fucking suck shit and had no games on them. I do the same thing, but with 3DO versus the CDI. The- yeah, the I I, like outside of the obvious ones that existed on the CDI, I don't think I'd be able to tell you what console they actually came out for. Like, if you just gave me the name of them. Yeah. Yeah, like those those three just kind of like lumped together in my brain as like one shitty thing that happened. But also, yes, the game you're mentioning, I thought came out for the 3DO too. Yeah, I do. Th- so I could I could be wrong about him uh, getting into a whole defensive thing about Cybermorph. It might actually be a different channel that I saw getting defensive about Cybermorph. I do vividly remember watching a video recently, though, where someone had nice things to say about Cybermorph, and that struck me as being fucking crazy. Because I've played Cybermorph, and that game is indefensible. Things yeah, really bad. Like defending Bioforge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Resident Evil 2, though, is a game that I did not, not like initially. Uh, and was surprised that people enjoyed a whole lot, uh, but I think I've come around on it. Why didn't you like uh, it? I, I I started playing it immediately after I finished playing Resident Evil 1, and the thing that bothered me about it was just how you get swarmed so easily with zombies, and how a lot of them are just hiding enough off-camera that as you're just kind of moving from, like, one camera shot into the next, you're just also... fucked because you ran into like five zombies i just remembered you talked to me when you were playing this and you had skipped the shotgun at the beginning i didn't know that you could pick up the shotgun at the beginning (laughs) i had no idea that you could pick it up so good um but yeah so my i was sour on the game initially just because i wasn't too 
like back in the day, I think that would have been real impressive because it's like, oh, wow, look at how many of these models they managed to fit on the screen. But the way that they're positioned and the way that the camera angles and the game work is you kind of just run into big groups of them like accidentally. Like yeah. your way of finding out they're there is you get swarmed by them and now you know that when you come back there, you. Yeah. Um, and I didn't. I don't it's... like it when games blindside you. It's like surprising. That, but... Spooky. Sure. Uh, but actually, like, once I'm aware that they are there and everything and kind of going back on the subsequent runs, because you kind of have to, like, beat the campaign four times to see everything in the game. Like, it was it was fine. Um, like, when I actually kind of got the layout and everything down and was just able to sort of move through the game and know what to do and where to go, I started having more and more of a good... Yeah. Um, but you, you had brought up the thing with, like, uh, the interrogation room window being blown out. Um, so that was the result of this thing that uh, they described as zapping, which is this idea that they had for the original Resident Evil. And what it was going to be is that uh, players would kind of get a sense of what their co-protagonist was up to concurrent with their own plot. Uh, so stuff like when you run down to that gate and like Claire is on the other side and the zombies start coming up, you have a sense of what Claire is doing you know, while you're doing stuff, and then when you switch over to her campaign, you see it from the other side. Which doesn't actually uh, work, considering how many doors are still locked the second time, and also, yeah, you would think that as much time as you spend running around in the hallways, you would bump into each other pretty often. But yeah, yes, but that's uh, it's a but that's in idea. contrast. Yeah, it's in contrast to the original Resident Evil, which was that your actions are what ended up affecting the plot and what got you the different endings, whether or not you saved Rebecca and Barry and Chris or Jill, depending on who you were. Uh, two was about having a very consistent plot split between the two characters, just seeing things from different angles. That's also why you then got the A and the B scenarios is then kind of flipping things around again and putting those characters in different positions through the plot. Yeah. Uh, so what I'm trying to say is instead of just playing two different characters and being done with the game, you have to play as two different characters two times to see everything in the game. Mm. But not Which, really. Um, more replay value, I guess, but also things are incredibly similar between a lot of those plots. Like, they don't differ that significantly. Yeah, which is why you don't need to do it four times. Yeah, you don't. I you did. barely need to do you it don't. twice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although, like, Mr. X doesn't actually show up until you go into, like, one of the characters' B stories. Like, if you just do Leon A, Claire A, you don't get Mr. X. If you do Leon B, Claire B, I think you do the way they divide that okay uh which is surprising to me uh because talking earlier about the remake of resident evil 2 which i think is similar to the remake of resident evil 1 the way better version of that game um mr x is just there uh pretty much from the get-go yep which surprised me <laughs> but I like, like that's i think I love Mr. X. That's why I bring that up, is I think that's kind of how it should have been in the original one, too. It actually was more surprising to me that Mr. X doesn't show up until you get that far into the game. Yeah, but also, like, you knew about him before playing the game, though. 
is the thing. Like, I remember I, back when I played yeah. that the first time, like, you look at the monitor and see him coming, and it's like, oh, man. And that's a great moment. That's true. Yeah, I guess that actually would have played better originally, is if you had beaten the game without this thing existing there, and then you went back into the game again, and then you saw that shit and was like, oh, God. Yep. Yeah. Also, right. in 2, he's not really much of a threat. Uh, like, the remake, I mean. No. Because... It, I was like, sort of like, oh man, I gotta get out of his way. And then I found out, like, when he hits you, it doesn't even take that much health off. And it was just yeah. kind of like, ah, I'll just scoot around him, I guess. Well, if you, uh, if you eventually play on, like, the hard mode, he does end up I becoming won't. much more of a threat because he does take quite a bit of health off. I don't care. Uh, but, but yeah, like, the thing is, you would play hard mode after you've played the game, like, enough times that that's the way you're going to get a challenge out of things. Sure. You typically wouldn't just immediately jump into that. Uh, but yeah, um, I I had a pretty good time with this game after getting over that initial hurdle. Uh, and it was kind of interesting to sit down and just get a sense of what it actually was, because for me, like I had a, a roommate who had Resident Evil 2 on the N64 uh, when I went to college for the first time. Uh, and he played it like quite a bit for a while so i sort of was just watching the game over his shoulder and then he went home for a weekend and he took the game back and so i never actually got to sit down and play it on i've like actually got to like see that game a decent amount also like vividly remember this point in time too because when that was done he would always shut it off at the same time and then turn on fresh prince of bel-air so <laughs> this is like a pretty decent time in college that's what you call a double feature oh yeah sure Get some RE2 and then some fresh. Yeah, um, but the, I I do think that because two has like a more zombies on the screen. You you kind of mentioned how like the original Resident Evil is an action movie, kind of in the guise of like a, a horror game. I think two is that more blatantly because there is a stronger like focus on combat in that game. Yeah, uh, sure. Like you said you pick up a shotgun immediately unless your name is George and you're an imbecile. And mm -hmm. you just immediately run into the next area. If you don't do a Resident Evil thing, which is inspecting things in the environment, which at this point the you should have known. Time. Yeah, the one time I don't go and like just comb over everything in a room. Uh, this also was like a point in time where Resident Evil like still wasn't completely bogged down by its bullshit lore, but it was like sort of the start of that. Like, uh... One of the things that I read up about when I was going and diving into the development of this game was that they wanted this to be the conclusive end of Resident Evil. The original uh, script wrapped everything up, and then they kind of like pulled Mikami aside and was like, that's a bad fucking idea. Do you know how many copies the first game sold? Like, this needs to be way more open-ended. So they did like a lot more of kind of building up the world of Resident Evil and sort of filling out more lore on Umbrella and Stars and Raccoon City. I blame Ada Wong. Ada is where everything went south when it comes it to that is. stuff. Yeah, because like originally she was just supposed to be this like researcher working for Umbrella, and then they were part of them leaving it more open-ended was them making her an agent for like a rival organization. Yeah, I still don't even really know what Ada Wong's thing is. Uh, she gets the virus and then uh, you like drop her into a pit. 
It's fine. She, she like Luke Skywalkered her way out of it. She drops it, and then she's a good guy, but then not really, but then also is actually a good guy, kind of, but then not really. And uh, then she shows up again and meets rookie cop Leon S. Kennedy and fights the Plagas. And yeah. then some other stuff happens, I don't know. That's something I really should have looked up uh, before I did this, is I know in Resident Evil 1, uh, when you get to the lab, there is that bit where you have to like figure out the username and the password to the computer to unlock a bunch of the doors. And the username is Ada, and I believe the password is John. It actually might be reversed. In fact, I think it's reversed. I think the username is John and the password is Ada. But I can't remember if that was something that they introduced... Like later on, like if that was not in the original version of that game, or if it was, and them making the character of Ada was them taking this one insignificant little bit at the end of the first Resident Evil and then blowing it up into this big. I don't know. I I think if it was there originally, it probably was them just thinking, ah, oh, we had that name. Let's sort of tie this into that, maybe. Yeah, I wonder. I didn't think to actually look it up and see if that was consistent between every version of that game. But hey, uh, Hunk. Uh, now that's yeah. a character. Hell yeah. You know who's an even better character than Hunk? Tofu. Fucking A. That's Got right. it in one. Exactly. <laughs> Turns pink when his health's slow. Yeah. I like in the remake that as he gets bit by zombies, like chunks of him start going missing. Yeah. It's neat. Oh, Tofu's great. Uh, but but speaking of that that script and the fact that they were making things were open ended, uh, one of the things that I found out was that it was written by a no, Nobora Sugimura, who is one of the head writers of Super Sentai. Oh, yeah, which huh. might explain why Resident Evil got really fucking dumb since <laughs> starting the second game. Unfortunately, there are no witches flying around on a bicycle and. Oh, that'd be so good. Like the bit where like the liquor's crawling on the window, but instead it's just Rita Repulsa flying around inside. Yeah, sure. Yeah, Goldar drops off the ceiling. Is Goldar in... Uh, Yeah, I guess he would be in Super Sentai. I guess Zed's the only one that was like made for Power Rangers, right? Yes, yes. Uh, Gryphazor is Goldar's original name. Uh, Huh. Okay. And then remember uh, Scorpina? Yeah. Apparently, her and Scorpina, him and Scorpina, are like husband and wife in the Super Sentai. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Mikami wrote the script originally, uh, but his supervisor was like, like I said, he said it was too close ended, and uh, they kind of brought Sugimura on more in like a supervisory role to just kind of give Mikami guidance, and then eventually Mikami was just like. Yo, I'm asking you to fix things a lot. Maybe you should just write the script. And so then Mikami handed everything off to Sugimura, who completely read it. Uh, but like the basic plot is still the same. It was still, you know, you're your rookie cop in a police station and you're trying to get to the bottom of this uh, zombie outbreak that's happening because Umbrella did a thing. Rookie cop, uh, they kind of Kennedy. Like, hell yeah. Uh, but they kind of, like, they rolled some stuff back. Like, there were a lot more tertiary characters originally. Like, I think it was that each protagonist was going to have, like, three characters that kind of joined them as a party, as opposed to the way it is uh, now, where it's sort of just one for each of them. Like, Leon has Ada, and then Claire has uh, Sherry. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, of, of course, well-known thing that uh, 
when they got to 80% done with Resident Evil 2, they threw everything out and then completely restarted the game. Yeah, yeah. There's a... Didn't new footage come out recently of, like, that uh, 1.5 version? Uh, new footage has kind of consistently come out, and I'm I'm not completely familiar with the whole trajectory of that stuff because that was just a whole other thing to kind of dive into. Uh, but I think that they've kind of gotten their hands on like early builds of the game, and I think some of it is just going back and looking at old footage and trying to recreate what is missing. Okay. Uh, but I, I think that there's a very much a effort uh, on the part of some fans to go back and make like a full playable version of 1.5. Huh. Which, reminder, they threw that game out for a reason, and it was that <laughs> Mikami, a gigantic scaredy cat, said it was boring. Huh. So uh... I found out recently that there are maniacs who are trying to make Half-Life Episode 3. Like based on that um that text thing that Ryder came out, you know, the one that was like, well, I'm not going to yeah. call the characters Gordon Freeman. Which by the way, I don't know if you ever tried to read uh I tried to and Ooh, boy. I'm not sure how anyone made it through that thing to base a game on it, but uh I didn't really that. sit down and read a whole lot of it because I'm also not super familiar with the plot of Half-Life in general. So I think a lot of that stuff would kind of be lost on me. Or just for wouldn't me, have the same significance. For me, it was like, okay, he changed the name, so my mind is just constantly having to think, oh, this is supposed to be Gordon Freeman. This is supposed to be Alex. This is oh, supposed to be... Okay. And then it's like, at a certain point, like you're just reading a story through a cipher. And I was like, no... No, thanks. It's not like Valve is ever going to do it, though. I mean, like, I no. guess the way that you'd have to get that game is for some fans to actually band together and make it. Yeah, exactly. Which, I don't know, I'm not interested in that personally. I would give Resident Evil 1.5 a shot, even though I suspect that, you know, like I said, they canceled that game for a reason. So I can't imagine it would in any way be better to Resident Evil 2 as we got it. Uh like, I've seen footage of that thing, and a lot of it is just this very sterile-looking modern uh, police station, whereas, like, one of the things I like about 2 is this idea that it was a, uh art museum yeah. that got bought up by the city and then just retrofitted as a police department. And then, like, your police captain, the, like, the commissioner, a fucking weirdo, decided to, like, just keep a bunch of the art up because he liked it. Yeah, that's kind of the weird thing is... uh yeah, with that footage from 1.5 that shows it originally being like a regular police station, I had always thought that 2 like, was just, like, that was just an excuse that it was a museum, and then they were like, oh, we're going to change the plot of this so it's a police station, and uh, so we'll just put this note in here about this, and like put some desks or something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it is a good concept. Yeah, it adds a lot more personality that simply would not have been there if you went with a sterile police station. Yeah. Plus, I, I think like, it, it goes a long way, like I said, kind of building up the lore of Raccoon City, the, this idea that has now become just very common and widely accepted with Resident Evil lore is that uh, people who ran Raccoon City were all fucking insane. Yeah. Like, the concept of a mansion that uses club keys and, like, lion crust, not that crazy when you kind of look at the way the rest of Raccoon City was run. Yeah. Uh, and also, the thing is, like, the worst part of every Resident Evil game is the bit where you get to the underground lab and it's all just kind of the same thing. So... Yeah. 
I do kind of like, though, with 2, just that whole, like, because it's connected by this, like, giant uh, cylindrical elevator in the middle. Yeah, and then it neat. branches off into three directions. And I do kind of like that central area thing of just this giant suspended cylinder there yeah. and then just a pit into nothing. Like, visually, that's cool. But then when you do go off into those three other areas, it's just a boring laboratory. Yep. So, yeah, that that is always the worst part. Yeah, I do uh, like that they which... excavated, like, a mile-wide, <laughs> however many thousand feet deep crater, and nobody <sighs> noticed. Well, not just that, but they took over the entire sewer system in that game, where you started, like, getting notes from sewer workers going, like, man, I gotta put up with these jackasses from Umbrella coming down here giving me shit. Yeah. I make 30000 a year. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, back at that point in time, it was probably closer to, like, 22000 or something. Yeah. Or less. But still, like, I do like these notes about just, like, blue-collar workers bitching about Umbrella. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I kind of wish there was more of that stuff in general, though. Like, yeah. that's some of the best stuff in Control, is, like, it's all stuff like that. The memos of, like, just regular people. Yeah. The know. average Joe's take on the fact that there's this weird pharmaceutical company just digging holes in the ground and just seeing weird shit going yeah. on around town. I want memos from people who are just like talking about buying security systems for for their homes, and they're just like these weird archaic puzzles that they have to outfit their door with. Like, I want the resident people, like the in-world company that is making that to be a thing. Yeah, we uh we commissioned a like a uh, special lock system where you have to select Tetris pieces in order to get into <laughs> our greenhouse. We broke the stained glass mirror, and if you reassemble it in the right way on this lockbox, then you'll get at the key to your front door. Finally. Yeah, you just throw the pieces around in your yard, and you put the box under a rock or something. I mean, really, like, a sliding block puzzle would probably be one of the most secure locks you could possibly get. <laughs> People make, like, five moves and get frustrated and just go home. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I think there are uh, notes in the original Resident Evil, or maybe they were added into the remake that do mention, like, the architect of the Spencer Mansion and how they did have, like, this weird fixation on puzzles and stuff. Like, they, yeah, they try a little bit to kind of call out that it's sort of weird. But most of the notes in the original Resident Evil just boil down to, like, and I'm turning into a zombie. Well, wasn't that... Tell my wife like, and kids, I love them. Wasn't it the architect who was the one that, that, that like, wrote the famous I'm turning into a zombie memo? I, I'm i not sure. I'm not sure if that was just a regular guard or if it was the architect. I thought it was the architect. Uh, I think it was a regular guard because you go, it's just like a, a tiny little side room that you go in and you find that. And then the guy who turned into the zombie comes out of the closet when you're done reading the note. Huh. So I don't I don't think it's actually the architect. Um, but yeah. And it, like some of the notes in the original one too are... Like, less less world-building and more just filling in the events that happened uh, beforehand, which definitely happens in 2, but those also still go a long way towards giving you more context about the world around those events. Um, but yeah, like, in 1, you get a note of, like, somebody going, like, oh, yeah, I, I put a key on a dog's uh, on a dog's collar. That'll probably open a door somewhere. <laughs> I hope that dog doesn't turn into a zombie, though. That'd suck. That would suck, right? 
I found the answer, by the way. Uh, for once, mm. Giant Bomb's wiki turned out to be useful because they have a page called Dear Diary, Today I Turned Into a Zombie. Uh, <laughs> and it was the Keeper's Diary. So okay. It was like the guy who kept the dogs, actually, I think. Okay. That makes but sense. The, the final lines are Fever gone but itchy, hungry and eat doggy food. Itchy, itchy. Scott came. Ugly face so killed him. Tasty, itchy, tasty. Yeah, itchy, tasty. Uh-huh. Uh, help, I'm turning into a zombie. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that that then uh, brings us to Resident Evil 3. To, to close out this trilogy in this very long discussion about Resident Evil games, uh, Resident Evil 3 is easily my favorite of the original Resident Evil games. Uh I, I had mentioned that with Resident Evil 2, it is more combat-focused. Boy, does Resident Evil 3 lean in that direction. I have not played 3 to completion. Mm, how far did you get? I don't remember. Uh, I think... I really don't remember. It hasn't been since it came out. Uh, mm. I think it was like one of the first times you switched to Carlos... Um, okay, so that's probably about halfway through the game then, I think. Probably. Because, yeah, so so the start of Resident Evil 1, you, you get chased by the dogs into the Spencer Mansion, everybody's separated, you have very little equipment, and you realize that uh, a mystery is afoot, and you gotta get to the bottom of it. And most of that game is very much unraveling this mystery and trying to reunite with everybody. Resident Evil 2... Uh, car crash, zombies everywhere. You need to go get to safety. A lot about a lot of that game is we need to just get to safety. We we need to lock ourselves down and get the fuck out of here. Um, three is you get chased into like this uh, warehouse. Zombies are outside. Jill Valentine's like I gotta shoot some motherfuckers and just starts loading up on everything. And then most of that game is just mowing down everything. Yeah, I do like that. Uh, yeah just the also, initial framing of that story is like there's just a bunch of ammo and shit here so just load up yeah uh also nemesis uh, is just really cool hell yes so uh you like mr x a lot i like mr x the resident evil team i think identified that people really like mr x and so they kind of built a whole game around uh mr x chasing you yeah Although, of course that, mr that's x being why dead, now it is the nemesis that's why I much really... deadlier than Mr. X because he can run. Yeah, I really hope they remake three the same way they did two. Me too. Um, Mr. Uh, Nemesis also seems like a lot better at just tracking you in general. Uh, Mr. X's AI in the original Resident Evil Two was super dumb, so it was easy to kind of just juke around him and have him lose complete track. Yeah. Uh, Nemesis is pretty good about following you into different rooms. Um. And also, Nemesis is way harder to take down, even though you are much more heavily armed in Resident Evil 3 than you take uh, Mr. X down. Mr. X, you can kind of just take down by shooting him like 15 times with a hand. Uh, Nemesis that's not going to stop Nemesis through walls. Yeah! It's cool. <laughs> got those tentacles coming out of his arm. Yeah. Um, but not just uh, Nemesis. Zombies are also better about following you into different locations. Uh, specifically, they made sure that they could kind of follow you up and down stairs, which is something that they could not do in uh, Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil 1. Yeah. Uh, 
So in general, like uh, just everything's a lot more deadly, but then like I said, they they give you a lot more equipment, a lot more heavy weaponry to kind of deal with everything. And it it fits into the plot too of that you're playing as Jill Valentine again, who has already been through this. She <laughs> understands what she's getting into. Yeah. Uh, and then you also have uh, Umbrella's cleanup team as kind of like the secondary group uh, pushing the. Yeah, it's a uh... mercenary. Yes, mercenaries. It's yeah. uh, kind of similar to four, really, in that Leon has been through this before, so now he's just gonna shoot all of these guys a lot. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but I, I also think that this game is maybe better for the fact that it ditches the whole like multiple playthrough thing. You don't have a second character that you play as necessarily. Uh, you you do, but you play as them in just the core campaign. Uh, and very sparingly, you are pretty much Jill Valentine for the duration of the game. Yeah, I don't uh, like Carlos. I don't like Carlos either. It, like, he's, I think, the weakest of any of the, like, co-protagonists out of the original Resident Evils. Um, what about Billy from Resident Evil Zero? Billy's fine. He has tribal tattoos. <laughs> he's a he does. cool bad he's boy. A- He's a white guy with some Dwayne the Rock Johnson looking tattoos. What uh what was the name of the other guy in Code Veronica? Oh man, um Steve? I think sure. it was Steve. Probably. Uh, yeah, he is awful. Uh but you don't really play as him. Like in Code Veronica, you go between Claire and Chris. You do? Uh, but then the way that Yes. Uh, so Code Veronica's A and B scenario are like linked together, but they are separated by a disc change. So the first half of the story is Claire, and then the second half of the story is Chris. Uh, I oh, don't think okay. you actually switch over to Steve at any point. I don't think you actually control him. I thought you did at some point. If you do, it's like probably a really, really short sequence. I don't think that you play as him very much, if at all. Uh, Okay. But I do know, like, at some point he gets turned into a monster and then you murder him, so at least, like, you get the payoff of being able to rid yourself of Steve's whiny ass. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Carlos, I think, also dies at some point in Resident Evil 3, although I forget exactly how. I know that, like, kind of the reason you play as him for a bit is because Jill gets infected. Uh, I think that all happens around, like, the church. Uh because the thing with like Resident Evil 3, too, is uh, in the previous two Resident Evils, you're very much going between kind of like levels. Like the Spencer Mansion, Mansion eventually leads into the residence, leads into the caves, leads into the underground lab. Uh, Resident Evil 2, you know, you're at the police department, you go into the sewers, you go into the lab. Uh, Resident Evil 3 does that as well. Like you're in the city, uh, then the police department, then the city again, then you're in the church, and then you're in kind of a lab but not really uh but it feels like a good 80 percent of the game just takes place within the city itself like when you're going into these different areas you're there for just very brief stints compared to like how long you were in there in the previous yeah Uh, which i think is good too because they make really good use of it being a city and that they are still taking you to a lot of varied locations that are within that setting like a gas station or like a uh there's like a shack that you go into at one point that like operates the electricity for this area 
And then when you turn it on, like, the whole place just gets flooded with zombies. Uh, or, like, there's a hospital at one point, like, you only do very briefly. So, like, they, they keep the locations buried, and they, they move things along, and you're not in them for a very long time. But I like that. Like, that actually, the progression between locations felt a lot more realistic in 3 to me than they did, obviously, with 1 or 2. Yeah. I don't know, I like... Yeah, okay. Yeah. I like the times you go to other locations in 2. Although, that's also switched quite a bit in the uh, remake... Because, uh, yeah, the gun shop stuff is right at the beginning of the original game, and then it's much later in the remake. Yeah. Because uh, it's like on I mean, the way I'm not to the sewer. I, I'm not saying I don't like that in the original, too. I, I really do. Just, um, like, in, in terms of just making the setting more believable, it is far more in 3 than it is in 1 and 2. It's kind of like the leaps between the sort of locations you're going to in those other games is kind of far-fetched. Sure. Like, the mansion makes sense that you would have, like, a side residence, but then, you know, underground lab, it kind of hits you by surprise. Or that there's a whole network of caves that you go into is actually kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, and then going into the whole sewer system and everything, too. But, but yeah, just mostly going around, like, ah, I went to a restaurant, I went to the hospital, I went to the gas station, and three just feels a lot more like... Well, like you said, like it, it is, it kind of spans the whole city anyway. So it's not like the others where you're basically in one central location that just kind of branches out. So, although it is going, it is cool going into the uh, police department at that one point, that really brief loop that you do around there and kind of seeing it again. Yeah. Uh, because I want to say I'm trying to remember where they're placed exactly. That I think that like Resident Evil Three happens both concurrent. Or no, it happens like prior to two, and then also after. I want to say is how that goes. I want to say that the stuff Jill does in the G in the uh, Raccoon City Police Department takes place before two, and then at some point there is enough of a skip forward in time that Resident Evil Two has been happening, and then you catch back up with Jill. Well, it would have to be after two because uh, Raccoon City gets nuked at the end, but. I don't know about the exact timeline. Yeah, that's where I get confused because I want to say that like some of the reason that walls are blown out in the police department is because like Nemesis has been following you in there. Okay, but I might be wrong about that. I don't know. I remember looking this up at one point, and I want to say that even then they kind of like changed the continuity of it at some point. But that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Uh. I, I also really hope that they end up remaking Resident Evil 3. Like I said, it's my my favorite one. I, I think it definitely benefits by having a much more linear progression to the story. It feels like the campaign's a lot more robust because you're not just having to replay it over and over and over again. Uh, I, have an, uh, I have an answer. The first half of the game occurs 24 hours prior to Resident Evil 2. The second half takes place two days after. Doesn't Jill, like, get injured or something? She does. Is, well, is she gets infected. Why? Okay, so that that's probably why. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking that is the, the point where time breaks off and you then catch up with events that have happened now after us. Yeah. Oh, that's right. good. To, all right. So I was, I was right. I'd, 
the game's storyline was, was later used. I operating off that assumption. I was worried as I was saying it that actually I'm wrong. The game's storyline was later used as the basis for the 2004 film Resident Evil Apocalypse. I saw that movie yeah, in the theater. Me too. Not I'm sure. I wish I hadn't. Was the uh, last one that, that was the first and last Resident Evil movie I saw. Yeah, no, it was fun getting to the church in Resident Evil 2, the game, and then thinking, like, oh, this is the part where Mila Jovovich just flies through the window on a motorcycle, and she's going <laughs> to just shoot all these motherfuckers. Were you disappointed like... that there was no black guy with gold-plated pistols? Oh, you mean Dewey, the African-American comedy relief character? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they brought him back for the movie. Yeah, no, you're over here going like, oh, knowing the way that Japan would handle it. Motherfucker, knowing the way Americans would handle it. Well, look, Paul W.S. Anderson is a very special director. Uh, My special boy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, those fucking movies. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I hope they remake it because just the idea of them being able to improve Nemesis's AI even more. Have them, have them burst through more walls. Yeah. It's easier to do that in a fully 3D environment. Like, Resident Evil 7, uh, like, the first part of that game where you're initially in that house and uh, the, that dude is just busting through walls constantly yes. is really, really good. When I saw that, I thought, ah, just like Nemesis. Yeah. It's a shame that that is only, like, persistent through the first, like, hour of that game and then it completely ditches it, though. Really? I haven't played it because so uh, too spooky. The, for the me. way that the way that seven works is it also kind of segments its areas. So the first part where you're in the house, uh, Jack is chasing you around Nemesis style. You can lose him. You can temporarily stun him. He's busting through walls. He's actively looking for. You. Uh, you have a boss fight with him at the end of that area, and he is no longer a persistent threat for the rest of the game. You then go into like a boathouse. And that's when, like, the, um, I forget her name, but, like, his wife is looking for you. But she's on, like, kind of a scripted path. So it's much easier to tell kind of where she's going and how to avoid her. You can almost, like, route your way through that area and never see her at all. she the one with the bees? Uh, yeah. Okay. And then, like, after that, none of that stuff really shows up again. Like, their son is more like a, a saw-type thing where you're disarming traps and stuff like that. Like, being actively hunted stops being a thing about one-third into that game. Hmm. Which is okay. a bummer, because I, I think that that's the strongest part of that game, is making use of how far AI has come to actually make you feel like you're getting hunted there. Well, that's not really AI, though, but okay. Uh, but like you could do that is the thing at this point in time you could absolutely build a game where you're programming it off of like this one figure stalking you sure but i never like actually having logic i don't like stuff like that in games because i never trust it to not just cheat sure obviously the game knows where you are so it's just gonna be like well you're somewhere around here so it's just going to pace around near you and that's it's annoying yeah, at some point it just spawns and goes over to where you are and starts wandering around. Yeah, like Alien Isolation does that. Hmm. It's just like, well, I get to sit here and wait until the alien wanders off. 
Yeah, but still, I think if they remade 3, they could absolutely have a stronger, more threatening version of Nemesis, who is already, like, he knows where you're at, and, like, he is much more of a threat than Mr. X, so if they did something more with that, I think it could really make that game tense. Oh, yeah, I agree. I'm saying if they just did something, like, with Remake, but with Nemesis, yeah. I'd be way into that. And they've said that there's interest in them doing that as long as enough people want it. Um, we do it. Do it. What is Make the games. This, this podcast has made so many things happen. Not really, but sort of. It's weird. No, so please, uh, just announce. Don't you remember that oh. announcement video, though? Where the oh, yeah, Rare the... 2 remake... Yeah. There is that uh, bust in the game That if you read the inscription on it It just says we do it Oh really? I didn't know that Yeah, there's a, I think it's like right outside the library There is a um, Like a bust on like a marble stand And there's a, a little inscription plaque That says we do it That's great, I never looked at that Yeah I wouldn't have either uh, I read about it on like some article of like easter eggs And stuff like that, otherwise it would not have been Yeah Yeah it's cute. Uh Resident Evil games, very cute. Yes. I like the I like the Cerebus dogs. I want to pet them. Give them hugs. I bet a hunter gives a really good hug. Squeeze the life out of you. Uh yeah, uh, I, I did want to say that I do like that the way Resident Evil 3 ends is you kind of go huh? into a lab sort of scenario, but it's more of like just this blown out kind of warehouse thing. And I just always kind of thought it was a little funny how like after the previous two games, you go into these huge elaborate underground labs that the one in three is just like, ah, they they rented a warehouse out and we're just building some crap in there. So like when you go in there, it just mostly looks like a warehouse. I love warehouses. Yeah. But I, I just I really dig that the third game, the one that's closing it out for the PlayStation One, is the most subdued in its uh in its final location. Yeah. It's kind I'm of funny. Gonna, I'm gonna um, keep things grounded. But uh a little bit of the, the development of this game very quick. Uh the the thing that I had found the most interesting about it and that also makes the most sense is that this was not intended to be Resident Evil 3 originally. It was just a like a Gaiden kind of thing. Uh with Code Veronica. Or no, I think they were like developing a different Resident Evil 3 and then they canceled that and then Code Veronica at some point had become Resident Evil 3 and then they were like no, we want to keep like 1 through 3 just confined to the PlayStation. So take this Gaiden project you're doing and rename it Resident Evil 3. I guess that makes sense with it uh, taking place concurrently. Yeah. But also just like kind of the difference between those three games and when you kind of then pull Code Veronica into the loop. Code Veronica feels more like an actual logical progression between 1, 2, and what 3 should have been. Uh, whereas Resident Evil 3 actually doesn't feel too significantly different from the second one in the same way that the second felt from the first. Yeah, it's pretty incremental. Yeah. Plus, it it very much ditching the whole two protagonists uh, kind of thing, which Code Veronica does have, even though it also structures it a bit different than how but one and Carlos. two. Carlos. Yeah. Carlos is dead, Larry. Good. They put him underground. He's under the church. 
Remember in uh, the first Resident Evil movie, that guy got bit by a liquor and then he turns into the nemesis? No. That was... <laughs> oh, well, that happens. In the first movie, like, a liquor bites one of the main characters, and then when he's, like, being pulled out of the mansion on a stretcher, like, the nemesis tentacles come out of his arm. And then, like, in the second movie, it's revealed that that dude just, like, metamorphosed into the nemesis. Okay, sure. Yeah. I never saw the first one. The Resident Evil movies are terrible. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Remember how everyone's like, my favorite part of the original Resident Evil is when you go into the lab. And so they made a whole movie that was just that part of the game. Um, The guy they have playing Wesker is really good, though. Oh, he is. Yeah, no, they found someone who is appropriately smarmy. <laughs> and just, like, looks exactly like him, too. That's yeah. good casting. Everything else, Would I don't you know. recommend Resident Evil the first? Uh, the remake, yes. Original, no. So I think it's probably safe to say our recommendation for 1 and 2 would be the remake. Yes, but also the original of 2 I still like. Okay. I've never played good. the... Uh... I've seen two on the N64, like I mentioned, but I never played it. If you had to recommend one of the original versions of two, would you recommend the PlayStation 1 or the Nintendo 64 one? 64. The problem with that is that it does not emulate well at all, which I know is uh, surprising for a Nintendo 64 game. Well, Uh, so it doesn't even upscale well, is the thing. Yeah. Which is why I did not uh, purchase that. I'm trying to remember precisely the reason why, but it's some sort of like resolution change that it does when you're moving between menus and screens. And so when you upscale it, like it just glitches the fuck out on you. Yeah, it's shifting resolutions constantly. Yeah. So, because that's like when I was going back and buying N64 games, I had wrote down Resident Evil 2. And I was like, yeah, be nice to actually sit down and give this one a shot because I know the emulation on it is shoddy uh, and then finding that out and realizing that nope the only way you can really sit down and play resident evil 2 on the 64 anymore is if you have a crt yeah which is great that's cool but um, it's like also they're never going to port that to anything because that one compressed so much that like the the music and the audio from what i remember is worse than it is on the playstation it is but i believe it actually looked better uh, thanks to mm. the wonders of the expansion pack And uh, I think it even supported widescreen I, I think, think that's right That sounds familiar to me uh, Plus obviously no having to switch discs That's nice Yeah, that's. I mean that's the craziest thing about that one Is that they took a two damn disc PlayStation game And managed to compress all that onto a Nintendo 64 card I mean, I bet like 90% of the data size on the disc is just audio. Yeah. Well, again, because that's what's the most compressed on the N64. But like, regardless, like that was kind of a, like even back then talked about of like, wow, I can't believe that they got a PlayStation game on the N64. Oh yeah, it's very impressive. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So your recommendation is the N64 version and also the remake. Well, either the PlayStation 1 or N64 version I just think the 64 version is probably the better one But you still think people should play the original game Yes Um, I I think I'm the same way on both 1 and 2 Where I I think that the remakes are definitely the better versions of those games I would at any point in time rather sit down and play those 
Also, uh, obviously, though, much easier to hold it at this point. The, the remake of two is much more different from the original than the remake of one is. Yes, yeah. Uh, one feels more like they're just expanding on what is already there. Uh, whereas two is actually kind of shuffling things chronologically. Yeah. Uh, two feels like a proper remixing. Um, although I do really like Crimson Heads in number one. And that's a thing that I really wish would make some kind of a comeback in some way. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I, I like the idea of them. I think in practice, not so much. But For anyone who doesn't, doesn't know for some context on that, what the Crimson Heads were was when you killed a zombie, you had to either decapitate it or you had to light its body on fire, which meant keeping a flask of kerosene on you, and then you had to go like fill that up at tank, so there was a finite amount. And if you didn't do that, within a certain amount of time, the zombie would reanimate uh, with claws, and it would be very hyperactive and aggressive, and would just, like, charge at you. Which, for a game with, like, fixed camera, is uh, a problem. Like, you don't want to have to run into that. They could just one-shot you, couldn't they? Uh, I know that the hunters could. The hunters could just kind of leap at you, scratch your throat, and then, like, your head would drop off. Uh, And that was consistent between all versions of that game. I don't remember if the Crimson has were able to do this. I thought they could. They do a lot of damage. So even if they can't, like you don't want to get hit by them even once. Because you're you're gonna to have to use a health item at that point. Um Yeah, the, 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 that's uh you know, to to not completely move away from the mechanics of these games and what I actually like about survival horror, because I probably should talk about that before we finish the episode. Uh I had mentioned that I really like the stuff with uh the tank controls. I really like that, uh, the fixed camera angles and the whole limited inventory supply. Just the, the entire way that survival horror is structured off of controlling what you see, making it difficult to even get around and get around obstacles, and having combat that intentionally does not feel good because you kind of want to just avoid getting into a fight anyway. Uh, and then mixing that with just, you know, your, your health it needs to be carefully managed. You need to carefully manage what is even being carried on you. Like, all that stuff works together to build tension up in those games. So even if, like, the jump scares and stuff are not scary, like, there's still something there to kind of keep you stressed out and on your Those games kind of force you to think ahead and plan out what you want to take and where do you want to go and what you want. Uh, And to that end, like, when you figure it out and you actually develop kind of a route through the game and you know where to go and you know how to solve the puzzles and what to take with you, like, it feels really good. Like, those games, I think, more than any other genre of game, feel the best to me to kind of get good at. Like, okay. I, I, I very much like that sense of just finding this rhythm to go through the game with. Um, See, to me, I don't, because it's just like, okay, you memorized where to go. Okay, cool. Yeah, my brain, my brain works differently in that I find that stuff very appealing. Yeah, um, it's fine. It's just like... Yeah. I would rather put time into like an action game like a uh, Devil May Cry or something. But I, I think that's also like uh, where it's weird to me that I don't like stuff necessarily like Metroid type games because I think that's also very much the same thing. Of oh yeah. Figure out your route through the game. And I don't know if it's just necessarily that maybe the difference to me is more of just also than having the limited inventory and kind of defocusing on stuff like combat if maybe that's what the big difference is between me liking one another maybe 
Um, but yeah, so like that's a Resident Evil games are the kind of games, at least these ones, like the first three, because obviously the series kind of went off into a very different direction after a while. Um, and like seven kind of gets back to as well, even though the perspective is totally different. Like it does, it it brings a lot of elements of survival horror back that it completely ditched uh, between like four or five and six. Um, I can I can come back to those uh, pretty regularly and just never tire of them. I I really like all three Resident Evils, so I they all get a recommendation from me. Uh, if you've if you've not played it, any of them, I think you owe it to yourself too. If I had to recommend one over any of the others, though. Uh, the Resident Evil 2 remake is is a really good entry point if you have never played survival horror and want a more modern idea of what it's like, a more approachable version of survival horror. Sure, because it has enough elements from the original game while also modernizing it, obviously. Yeah. Uh, like, it still retains what that game was, which is nice. Like, they didn't just throw it all out. You're still getting the weird keys and putting plates in a statue. I think I think you could also kind of like I think the new remake of Resident Evil 1 like the PC HD version is also a really good entry point because they do have that option to uh have like full 3D controls. Yeah, which also makes it very easy. It it does. But like if you're looking for like a a ground level survival horror to get into, that's also a Resident Evil game. Either of the two remakes are really good and then if you enjoy either of those, I think from there and kind of start going back to those PlayStation 1 games. But I think that they're all worth playing, the original versions as well as remakes. Yes, sure. Yeah. Great. Let's, uh, Spooky Games Month, that, that's the end of Spooktober. We're done. That's it? No more scary games for an entire year, Larry. I thought there was some... Okay. No, there's only four, there's only four weeks in October. Four, it's what? Okay. Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. yeah, we we had uh we had Ghostbusters, Arrow the Acrobat, a bunch of other bullshit in between, and then we had Resident Evil. It's Arrow the Acrobat. What was the other one? Yeah. A Sweet Home in Luigi's Mansion. Oh, that's right. Wait. Yeah. So that's three. Yeah, but Arrow the Arrow the Acrobat episode is one episode. Ghostbusters in Luigi Mansion one? is is another episode, and then Clock Tower and Sweet Home Clock is the Tower. third episode. And now we're up to four, and there's okay. four weeks in October, so Spooktober is done. That's how time works. Clock Tower was what I was forgetting about. Okay. Yeah, we, we talked about Clock Tower. Well, Clock Scissor Tower's Man, good. remember? Yeah. Comes out of the shower and snip, snip, snip. Yeah, Clock Tower is cool. Yeah. Uh, so next month, uh, we'll... Or, yeah, next month we're, we're going to move on to... Uh, I think we're going to do a big tonal shift. I'm going to go with something nice and light and easy next month so we can get away from all the, the horror games. Um, and then uh, next year we'll we'll jump back into it with a, a whole new selection of games. Next selection year. Spooky horror games. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about horror games in, like, fucking July. I don't play scary games no, in July. You, you, you play in like, October. You said, like, next time we'll go something nice and easy, and then next year... Yeah, next so... year we're going back to horror games. A year from now, next October, we'll talk about horror games again. Well, I look forward talk to about some some Silent Hills. Maybe maybe some Rule of the Roses. Everything that happened, you're not going to play Rule of Rose. <laughs> but I hear you love it. You've been it. dying to talk about it. <laughs> you're not going to make it through that game. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you this. 
I'll tell you this now because I think that you will forget about it, but this is my promise to you. A year from now, when we do Spook Spooktober again, we are going to open with Gremlins 2, the new batch on the Nintendo. Okay. That is my promise. Good. That No, that's a game. Yeah. But next month, I don't know. Well, we'll do something a lot more lighthearted. So, until then. Okay. Goodbye, dinosaurs. The dinosaurs are all zombies. They all died and they became zombies. That's what the meteor did. It's because it had that stuff on it. We learned that from uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. This just making me realize that actually we probably should have talked about Dino Crisis. I fucked up. Dino Crisis is pretty good. Dino Crisis 2. Mm. Even better. Hmm. But okay. Anyway, I gotta pack my bags and head off to the mansion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>